Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ardenfbc.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. In John 12, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. First service was asking me where the listening guide was, and I said, I'm giving your brains a break during the summer, so no guide this week. (laughs) We are pausing in Acts. Uh, We've been in Acts for about a year and a half, and during July we're going to do a summer series, just a few messages from my heart to yours and from God's Word. August we'll start back in Acts and finish the final four chapters we have left. So how many of you have ever wondered... God, I, I really want to do great things, but I just, I'm not seeing the great things you promise. You, you ever been there? Like, Jesus told us that we would do the things that he would do in greater things, and we're like, God, I don't see it. I don't know where it's at. I'm hearing you're doing it in other places in the world, but what about right here, right now? So what we're going to do in today's message, we're going to look at two of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible, in the New Testament at least. There's many misunderstood verses, but we're going to, we're going to hit two. The first one is Philippians 4.13. How many of you know what Philippians 4.13 says? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? And you see football players with Philippians 4.13, Phil 4.13 or the I, and we quote it, but do we actually know what it means? Because a lot of times people will use this verse, even non-believers, and they'll say, I can do all things. And it's like, well, you think you can, but... Let's look at what this verse actually means. It says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though surely you did care, but you lacked opportunity. Verse 11 says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned whatever the state I'm in to be content. So what is Paul talking about? What subject here? He's talking about the topic of contentment, right? And he says, I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. He says, in all things, I've known how to be suffer and to have plenty. Let's go ahead and flip the next verse. I know how to be full and be hungry, to bound and suffer need. So he's saying, listen, I, I know what it's like to live on little. And if you've ever been a poor college student, you can testify. You know what it's like to live on little, eat ramen noodle to try to survive. Some of us are still there. And then Paul says, I know what it's like to have a lot. I know what it's like to have more than enough. And then he presents Philippians 4.13. I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. So before we get into John 14, we're going to tie these two verses together at the end. But Paul's saying, I know what it's like to have little. I know what it's like to have a lot. And I've learned the secret of being content. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So in the immediate context of that passage, Paul's talking about how to just make the most of whatever God gives you. That's what Philippians 4.13. Now, does it have application to the football star that feels called by God and he's using his abilities? It can. But I think sometimes we misuse that verse to say, I can do all things. And what that verse literally means is whatever God wants you to do, he's going to give you the power to do because it's through who? Through Christ who gives me strength, not your own strength. But it's in God's strength. So that's one of the 
the biggest misunderstood verses that's often quoted. I can do all things. Well, it's all things that God wants you to do. And it's only through Christ. So it's the things that God's calling you to do. And it's only through his strength, not your own. So then we turn to John 14. And this verse has rattled Christians since Jesus said it. Because he makes a statement, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works, what does it say? These works he will do and greater works than these he will do. So it's like when we read this, we're like, Jesus, um, how, how can you say that? How, how can you say that I'm going to do greater works? And then he says, because I go to the Father. And let's read the rest of the passage and then we're going to talk about greater things. Because I really believe not only Philippians 4.13 is true, I believe John 14.12 is true. Even though some of us may think I haven't seen the greater things, I haven't raised anyone from the dead lately, I haven't walked on water lately, has anybody turned water into wine lately? If you have, don't bring it to church because we can't drink it here, right? (laughs) It's a Baptist church, you can joke. All right, right, continue on, verse 13. And then he says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that my the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of the truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you a little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. That reminds me of the old hymn. How many of you grew up on hymns? You guys remember that song? Because he lives. I'm not going to try to sing it. (laughs) I can't sing. You know, you can be a star in your own car, but, you know, if you can't sing, you can't sing. But I try sometimes. But, you know, the old the hymn, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And what Jesus is saying is, because I live, look at verse 19, you also will live. I love that. Verse 20. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Let's pray over God's word. Father, we thank you for your true word, your holy, inspired, infallible word. And Father, as we wrestle with these two misunderstood verses, misunderstood verses from Philippians 4.13 and John 14.12, help us to understand what it means to us today in 2022 and beyond. Help us to believe that you do want to do greater things as you said. So Father, I pray your blessing will be upon your word and our time together. Bless all those who are listening both in person and online. And we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And again, we want to welcome all of you and those of you listening online from the beach. We're missing you. Enjoy the sun. Today I want to give you five great truths about how you and I can do greater things. And when I read, when I read Philippians 4.13, I'm inspired. I can do all things through Christ. Okay. But then what are all these things? Then we go to John 14.12. 
And Jesus says, the works that I do, you're going to do, but you're going to do greater things. And what 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 surprises me from a human standpoint, it sounds very bold and audacious to say, I'm going to do greater things than Jesus. I mean, think about that statement. Has anybody raised anybody from the dead lately? <laughs> Has anybody died for the sins of the world and rose again? I mean, right. No, no one but Jesus. So how can we do greater things? Because Jesus never misspeaks. When Jesus says something, he means it. So first truth is this. Someone say greater things. You guys are much more awake than the nine o'clock service. Thank you. You can do greater things because believing in Jesus opens the door for doing greater things for Jesus. I'll say that again. You can do greater things because believing in Jesus opens the door for greater things for Jesus. Look back in your scripture If you haven't got your Bibles open, we're in John 14, verse 12. Jesus says, most assuredly, what he's saying there, whenever he says most assuredly, you know, when you read through certain translations of the Bible, say truly, truly, verily, verily. He's saying you can underline this, you can highlight it, you can take this to the bank because this is true. I'm repeating it twice. Most assuredly, most certainly, I want to tell you this truth. And he says, whoever believes in me. So some people have taken this verse and said, well, this only applies to the apostles, right? Some of them wrote scripture, some of them did miracles, but whoever believes in me, who is whoever? That's you and me, right? If you believe in Jesus, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? To believe in Jesus means that you place your full trust, you place your full hope, you place your full life in him. If that's true, he gives us two amazing, wonderful promises. He says, the works that I've done you're going to do these works and you're going to do greater things. Look at the person next to you and say, you're going to do greater things. And see, I understand the works that Jesus did. Uh, Jesus fed hungry people. How many of you have fed hungry people? All of our moms in here today, amen, every, every, all the time, right? Um, some of you feel like you fed the 5,000 is feeding your family. Uh, you know, some of you have helped show compassion to the needy. Some of you have preached the word of God with boldness. These are things Jesus did. And through the power of the spirit, you can do it. We get that. But what does it mean to do greater things? And kind of to reframe it, how can you improve on perfection? Like raising someone from the dead, how can you do better than that, right? How can you one-up that? I don't don't quite understand that. Um, Healing someone that's crippled and they're walking now, how how can you improve on perfection, So what does Jesus mean by greater things? He clarifies his statement by saying this, because I go where? Because I go to the Father. So he gives us a hint of this. Jesus' ministry was limited to, does anybody know how long his ministry was? Three, three and a half years, right? How many of you right now have served longer than three, three and a half years in ministry? Raise your hand. You've already have a greater amount of time, right? You've already done greater things as far as time. And his ministry was limited outside of his trip to Egypt as a child, as an infant. In his earthly ministry, most scholars believe it was limited to a radius of about 100 miles. How many of you have traveled more than 100 miles before? (laughs) Some of you are like all all over the country. And whenever, whenever Jesus rose, there wasn't as many followers as there are today. So what I want to do, we're going to play a short video. I'm going to set this video up. This is called One Solitary Life by Dr. James Allen Francis. He wrote this in 1926. 
Some of you have quoted this before um, in certain capacities, but I want to present it in a video format. Think about the life of Jesus. Let's go and play that. Amen. So you think about that. Jesus, during three and a half years, he did some amazing things. But from a human perspective, he didn't write a book. He didn't travel very far. He didn't have academic degrees. But yet one man changed the course of human history, this one solitary life. So we get doing the things that Jesus did, and we don't struggle with that. But what we struggle is the supernatural things. In a short three and a half years, the gospel writers record at least 37 miracles of Jesus. And when you see these miracles, we see God invading time and space. We see God just doing things that just blow your mind, the overcoming the laws of science and the laws of nature. And we're just like, how did God do it? And that's what we struggle with. So, like, when we think about it, Jesus walked on water. Can you walk on water? Unless the pond's frozen, right? But was there someone besides Jesus who walked on water in the Bible? Peter did, right? Peter did. How did Peter walk on water? He had faith, right? Jesus, he's like, can I come to you? And Jesus said, go. So, you can't walk on water unless Jesus tells you to, right? If he tells you to, you can do whatever he calls you to do. All right, Jesus controlled the weather, right? He stopped the storm. It was peace. And they're like, wow, he, he calmed the weather. Can you calm the weather? Can you control the weather? We'd like to absolutely not. Was there someone else in the Bible other than Jesus who controlled the weather? You remember, uh, who was it, Elijah? Didn't he pray and it didn't rain for three and a half years? Now, don't think that you're going to go out of here and control the weather, right? Don't, don't take that away from the message. All I'm saying is if God says something, he can do it. That's why it's called a miracle, okay? Uh, Jesus raised the dead. Is that impossible for today? Well, we're getting stories from people in other countries that this still happens. Verified through doctors that this still happens. And we're like, I can't believe it. Just because you've never seen it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And you think about Jesus, his, his two apostles... Uh, Peter and also Paul, didn't they raise people from the dead? And see, that's why we got to wrestle with this. What does Jesus mean by greater? I, w- I want to kind of lay it out like this as we wrestle with this scripture passage. Jesus means greater in three areas. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The first is in size. After Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to a group of people. Most of us think the upper room, which had 120, but there was a larger group. Does anybody know how big the larger group was? 500 people, right? Paul tells us that he appeared to more than 500. So three and a half years, a little more than 500 people we know that were, were saved. Did you know that in today's world, we can't, we, only God knows how many of these are true professions, but 2.5 billion people proclaim faith in Christ. You know, the number could vary depending on which website you go to. But think about millions and millions and millions of followers. That's that's unbelievable. So when Jesus left, he left a small group. But now that group has really grown. So it's greater in size, but it's also greater in scope. As I mentioned, Jesus traveled no more than about a 100 mile radius from, from during his earthly ministry, about a 100 mile radius. So think about this. If you want to reach the world Go no further than posting it on social media, right? How many of you have ever posted something encouraging on social media and someone in another country responded, right? 
Isn't that amazing with technology and now with transportation, you can actually fly to other countries and share the gospel. You can walk down the road and share the gospel. So it's greater in size, it's greater in scope, but it's also greater in salvation history. You're like, what is salvation history? Salvation history is the work of God in the world from the beginning when Adam and Eve fell and God began his redemptive plan. In the Old Testament, they were looking forward to the cross and then Jesus comes And in John 14, Jesus is God in the flesh, but has he died on the cross yet in this passage? No. Has he risen yet? No. And here's the thing. Jesus says, I'm with you if you look in this passage, but one day I'm going to live inside of you. So here's the thing. A lot of us, and I'm one of them, I would love to live the time when Jesus lived, to walk through Palestine, to walk those roads. But Jesus told his disciples, it's better for me to go away. And it's like, how is it better for us, for you to go away? You're God in the flesh. You're a teacher. The difference is Jesus walked with them. But after he went away, he sent the Holy Spirit who was going to live inside of them. So in some ways, you have a greater gift of God living in you than just God walking with you. It's great God walking with you. We're all for that. But did you know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you? So Jesus said, it's greater for me to go away because now you're going to experience God in a greater aspect of God living inside of you. Think about that mystery. I remember uh, my parents are sitting here. I remember growing up in church, sitting in the youth group, and I remember the youth pastor would say, hey, be careful what you do. Be careful what movies you go to. You know why? Everywhere you go, you take God with you. And I'm like, oh, as a teenager, I'm like, if I go to this movie, do I want God to watch this with me? It kind of was like, have you ever thought that way? Everywhere you go, you're taking God with you. And that, that kind of really haunted me as a teenager. But now it's, it's a joy because, man, God's with me. So Jesus said it's good because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And you read throughout John's Gospels, he says that he not only was going to be with him physically, but he was going to send a helper. He was going to be with him spiritually. So before we go into the second point... I want to just present this. Every miracle that Jesus did, every miracle that anyone did, when it was a physical miracle, like a physical healing, that's great. But even raising someone from the dead, guess what? They die. They die again. And what's amazing about Jesus is the greater thing that he wants to do, the greatest thing that he can do in the human race. Can someone tell me? It's the salvation of a soul. Because any miracle is wonderful and we applaud it. But you guys remember when Jesus healed the guy on the mat and he said, your sins are forgiven you. And they, they murmured and complained, how can you do it? And he's like, which is greater to say, right, stand up and walk or which is easier or your sins are forgiven. And Jesus came so that he could do the greatest miracle of all. And that's the salvation of his soul, because every miracle that's just a physical miracle, it's temporary. But the greatest thing is an eternal miracle. So I want you to hit in your, get in your mind, John 14, 12, you're going to do greater things. Well, what is that? Anytime you lead someone to Christ, that's a greater thing. It's greater than walking on water. It's greater than turning water to wine. It's greater than raising someone from the dead because all those are great miracles. But an even greater miracle is an eternal one. Look at the person next to you and say, now you can know you can do greater things. <laughs> all right, I better speed up. Number two. Someone say greater. Well, how do we do greater things? We understand what that looks like, but how, Jesus? 
What's interesting, if you look at verse 13, it starts off like this. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What's fascinating, if you look at your Bibles, the word and is in, in italics. And the reason why it's italicized is not in the original Greek. So get this. You shall do greater things than I do. And then skip to and. Go straight, whatever you ask in my name. So how do we do greater things? It's through believing prayer. Did you know that prayer grants you access into the throne room of God? Prayer grants you access to stand boldly before his throne. In Hebrews 4.16, we'll throw this up on the screen. Hebrews 4.16, if we have that slide. The author of Hebrews says it like this. Let us therefore come, what? Boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So here's the thing. If you realize you have access to God, why don't we use this privilege more often? Why don't we just come into his throne and say, God, I thank you that you're with me and for me. God, I need you. God, I'm in a situation I can't get out of right now. God, I come boldly. God, I don't know what to do, but I need you to invade my space. I need you to overcome what I'm going through. God, I need you. Why don't we come boldly? Because we have a father. His arms are wide open and he says, just come to me. Come to me. I'm waiting. You now have access through the name of Jesus. And let me tell you something about the name of Jesus. It's no magical formula you tacked on the end of the prayer. Some people in the world think, why do you say in the name of Jesus? The name of Jesus means that you have a relationship with him. The name of Jesus means you, know, you have access to God. You're not worthy apart from him. You're not worthy to stand before a holy God. But because of Jesus, you now have access into the throne room of God. Have you ever had VIP tickets before, like a friend gave you, maybe backstage passes at a concert or whatever? And you're like, wow, you get to meet the, the musician or you get to meet the athlete, whatever it may be. And the VIP gives you special privileges that other people don't have. Well, let me tell you something. When you know Jesus, you have VIP tickets before the very presence of God. So that no matter what you're going through, you can come to him and you can do greater things because you have access to God. And something I want you guys just to be clear, Jesus said himself, I never did anything apart from the Father. Whatever I did, it was through the Father. So people will push against this text and say, I can't do it. I'm not Jesus. I'm not one of the apostles. I can't do it. Well, let me, let me rewind the tape and let you know that Jesus never did anything in of himself. Whatever the Father wanted him to do, he did. He never did anything independently from the Father. He had an interdependent relationship upon God. Even though Jesus was God in the flesh and he could have done things, he never did anything apart from God. So here's the thing. You're adopted into God's family if you're a child. And you have access to God through prayer. You have access to him. So don't ever limit what God can do by your lack of faith. Trust in him. And he says, if you do anything in my name, it shall be done. What does the name of Jesus stand for? It stands for what Jesus is for. And you look through scripture, what was Jesus for? Jesus was for the widow. Jesus was for the orphan. Jesus for, was for the marginalized. Jesus was for the poor. Jesus was for the oppressed. Jesus is for the local church. Jesus is for God moving in time and space. So if you are for what Jesus is for and you're going in his name, guess what? 
He says, whatever you ask in my name. In other words, whatever I'm for and you get in on what I'm for, I'm going to do it. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, that's good news. Make even a first Baptist want to shout or run an aisle. All right. Number three, someone say greater things. So we do it through believing prayer. But number three, you can do greater things by living for Jesus out of love. Look at verse 15. He says, if you love me, you will do what? Keep my commandments. Skip down to verse 20. He says, at that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. He who keeps my commandment, has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So here's the idea. Jesus says, if you love me, you will live for me. And if you live for me, it'll be shown by a life of love. So here's the thing. I've been married for, what, 13 years and here soon. And I could say to my wife, I told you I loved you on the wedding day. I don't have to tell you I love you again. What do you think she'd think about that? I told you once, woman. I don't talk to her like that. I'm just getting you guys a little fire. I told you once. Or, you know, I got you flowers on your birthday, but, you know, it's been five years and I don't really have time to get you flowers. I don't want to really say you look beautiful because I told you that when I first met you, you look beautiful. And uh, worse yet, imagine she's at the house working and she sees me sitting on my blessed assurance watching ESPN Sports Center all day. And she's like, honey, help. Oh, it's okay. You'll, you'll be fine. Get the girls to help. And here's the thing. like I can say all day that I love her, but if I don't show it, she don't know it. That's bad grammar, but good theology, right? If I don't show it, she don't know it. So here's the thing. There are many people who claim to be Christian. They say, I love God. But Jesus himself said, if you love me, you will obey my what? So if you don't show it, Who's going to know it? If you don't show it, who's, who's going to know it? So, like, don't claim to be a Christian and not live for Christ. That's kind of a counterintuitive, right? Don't claim, like, hey, I'm, I'm a Christian, but there's no evidence. We are not saved by our works, but once we're saved, our life should be transformed. The Bible says we go from death to life. The Bible says we go from darkness to light. So it's not like we say some magical prayer. Now we get a get out of hell free card and we can do what we want. No, we're not saved to sin. We're saved from sin. So Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So here's the thing about it. Look, look back in verse 21. This is pretty powerful what he says. At the end of 21, he says, he who loves me will be loved by my father And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Someone say manifest. That's a pretty cool word. We don't use that word a lot. Manifest. What is manifest? Yeah, it's hard hard to say that, right? Manifest. What that means is if you are a believer and you're living a life of love by obeying God's commandments, God's going to reveal himself to you. He's going to show up. How many of us have went through dark nights of the soul where... You know, sometimes it seems like God's distance, but sometimes God is distant because we're not living the life. I mean, there are times, there are times of dark nights of the soul where God's distant. We didn't do anything that those happen. 
But there are other times that it's kind of like Peter, we're following Jesus from a distance. You guys remember at the cross, Peter followed from afar. And it's like God wants to be close to you. But if you're falling from a distance, you're not going to experience God as you could. So if you're a Christian, and the exception of this is the dark night of the soul where God's testing you. But if you're a Christian and you're just you're never experiencing God at all in your life, you got to go back to like, am I living the life? The more I live for Jesus, the more I experience Jesus. And isn't that true in the relationship world you have? For those of you, who are, how many of you are married? Raise your hand. All right. Raise your hand if you're single. If you're single, look around. Who knows what the Lord will do? <laughs> hey, church is a good place to meet someone. So here's the thing. If you're married, the more you spend time with people, the more you get to know, the more you have this relationship, right? Isn't that the same with God? Now, in your marriage, there are times when you're distance and that happens. There are times when you don't have those feelings that happens. But when you love someone, it's a choice that I'm going to I'm going to love you no matter what. It's not based upon feelings or emotions. It's based upon my commitment to love and serve you. The same is true of Jesus. You love him regardless of what you feel. You love him out of a choice. And Jesus says, if you love me, guess what? You're going to experience the love of the father and I'm going to manifest myself to you. I'm going to show up in your life. Amen. All right. Someone say greater things. You can do greater things through the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So it's like, all right, I get doing the things that Jesus did, but greater things. How in the world is that possible? Well, believing prayer, you'll do greater things. Living the life of love by obeying his commandments. And then he gives us his promise in verse 16. I will pray and he will send you another helper. That word another in the Greek is alon. And it means another of the same kind. So what Jesus is saying is, listen, I'm God in the flesh. Jesus is God in the flesh. But when I leave, I'm going to send someone just like me. I'm going to send the third person of the Trinity, the person of the Holy Spirit. And while I am living with you and walking with you, while I am God with us, Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us, after I leave and I ascend into heaven, I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit, down and he not is just going to walk with you. He's not just going to be with you, but he's going to live inside of you. And when he lives inside of you, that will change your forever. That will change your world. Because now you have God living on the inside. You have the person of the Holy Spirit who speaks to you, who leads you. Every time you read scripture, the scripture like comes alive through the person of the Holy Spirit. Every time like you're walking with God and you're you're talking with him, the Holy Spirit does something inside of you. Jesus told his disciples, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to live with you. So believer, brother and sister in Christ, if you're discouraged today, I just want to remind you, You have the helper living inside of you. If you're depressed, I want to encourage you that you have resurrection power living on the inside. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead resides in you. So when you're down, he can pick you up. When you need a friend, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. When you feel lost, he's the God of the lost and found. He goes after the 99 for the one. When you feel like you can't go on another day, he says, come on, my child, I've got purpose. I've got a plan. I've got a calling. Get up, stand up and speak my truth because I am with you and I am for you. Amen. Finally, someone say greater things. To wrap this up, to put a bow and a cherry on top of the the Sunday. 
You can do greater things when you allow Jesus to live his life through you. Look at verse 19. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you also will live. So let me give you a little conundrum. God, at least to the physical world, is invisible, right? Because he's spirit. God is spirit. Those who worship him, worship him in spirit and truth. So if God is spirit and we can't see him right now because we're in a physical realm, how can we see God? Well, God made that possible by seeing Jesus. Jesus was the physical embodiment of the invisible God. So everything that you wanted to see about God, you could see in Jesus. He's God with skin on. He's the visible image of the invisible God, Colossians tells us. So, okay, well, that sounds good, but God was invisible. Jesus came. But now Jesus has ascended to the right hand of God the Father. So now he's invisible. I can't see Jesus right now. Anybody else see Jesus right now? (laughs) I can't see Jesus, right? So how do we see God if God is spirit and the visible image of the invisible God is now with him? How do we see God? It's through his body. And his body is the local church. His body is the universal church. So here's the thing. We're not perfect. We're just forgiven. And Jesus has left his church. He died for the world and he died so that the church could be established So that way, whenever he had went back to heaven, he would have a representative of himself. And that's you and I. So when Jesus says, you will do the same works that I do, you guys are going to feed the homeless. You guys are going to help the needy. You guys are going to be the hands and feet of Christ. That's it. But then he says, you're going to do greater things than I did. And you're like, how can I raise the dead? How can I walk on water? How can I? And here's the thing. The greatest miracle of all is not a temporary miracle, but it's an eternal miracle. So here's the hope that you have. Jesus says, because I live, you also will live. Friends, Christians should be the most living, most alive people on planet Earth. It's not the people out there partying. It's not the celebrities in Hollywood. No, you guys have God living on the inside. You guys are indwelt with the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's time for the church to stand up and to live fully alive. Don't be living half dead anymore because you are alive in Christ. And because you're alive in Christ... You should be a human being fully alive for the glory of God. Jesus says, because I live, you also will live. Amen. So let's summarize this in one sentence. We've covered a lot. So how do we tie Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And John 14.12, you shall do the works I do and you shall do greater things. And they're like, Well, this is blowing my mind. What are you talking about, Jesus? Here's to summarize it in one sentence. You can do greater things when you allow Jesus to live his life through you. Very simple, but very profound. If from this day on you surrender your life daily to him, you allow the power of the Holy Spirit to live through you, you will do what Jesus did and you will do greater things. And you're like, what do you mean? The greatest miracle of all is salvation of a soul. So as you win people to Christ, you're entering into the greater things. And what if he throws in a few miracles along the way? How many of you would be up for that? (laughs) I would be up for that as well. All right, three action steps to to really make it sticky. How, How do we live this out tomorrow on Monday? How do we live this out when my job's stressful on Friday? Expect Jesus to do greater things through your life. 
Someone once said that we should expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. So I think you've got to have an expectancy. Number two, love Jesus by living for Jesus. So if you're a Christian and you're not living for him presently, make the decision to repent of that and say, listen, I'm not going to live in that which sent Jesus to the cross. I'm not going to dwell in my sin. I'm not going to live an active lifestyle of sin. But no, I'm going to live a holy life. And finally, one of the greatest miracles you can experience is what? Leading someone to Christ. You know, we are all praise to God. We are on record. I was talking to Tom. He's one of our elders here. We're on record of the baptisms continue. We're probably going to set one of the records of the most baptisms in the church history. Isn't that exciting? We're seeing God move. We're seeing God move. And that's thanks to you guys. We gave you a challenge to share your faith. And I want to encourage you, as you have gospel conversations, let us know. We set a crazy goal of a thousand gospel conversations. So as you share Christ with someone, as you open up the dialogue, and you're like, what constitutes a gospel conversation? It's at least making an attempt to point people to Christ. Even if you don't get to the final point of, are you ready to receive Christ? If you make an attempt, you're initiating gospel conversations. And just remember, you don't save anyone. It's who that saves people. It's the person and work of the Holy Spirit. So I want to challenge you. We are living in exciting times. We are living in a time on planet Earth where there's a lot of darkness. But guess what? You guys are light in the Lord. So Jesus calls us to let our light shine. And as you allow Jesus to live his life through you, you will begin to do the things that Jesus did. And you will do what? Greater things. Let's pray. Father, we talked about two of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible. And I just pray that we would believe that we can do all things you're calling us to do through Christ. And God, we we do believe that we can do the things that we saw you do in the scripture. Feed the homeless, love on the needy, reach out to the marginalized, be a champion for the underdog. We can do those things. But Lord, we want to see you do greater things. We want salvations of brothers and sisters and mothers and friends. Lord, we want to see revival in our world, starting here with us individually. We want to see revival in Arden and in Fletcher and in Hendersonville and in Asheville and Waynesville. We want to see you break out. So God, help us to start some parties in heaven by leading people to Christ. Help there to be rejoicing in the presence of angels because of what you're doing at Arden First Baptist Church. We want to see greater things. And Father, we want to repent if you're a believer, I want to talk to you first. If, if you've not been living a life for Jesus, just go ahead and tell him he knows that. Just say something like, Jesus, I've not really been following your word. I've not really been obeying your commandments. Forgive me. I want to live the life that you live, starting by showing my love by obeying your commandments. As the believers pray and do business with God, there may be one here today that you've never experienced the greatest thing that could ever happen to you. Not to get rich, not to get healed, not to see your dream come true, but to have new life, eternal life in Christ. And if you've never asked Jesus to save you, today's the day. Don't delay. The Bible says today is the day of salvation with no one looking around but me. Is there anyone here that would like to receive Christ today? I'm not going to call you up. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Anyone here that need? I see that hand. Anybody else? Thank you. I see that hand. Father, thank you so much that you're doing works. 
For those here in person, those listening online that you don't have a relationship with Jesus, the Bible says that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. So right where you're sitting in person or at home, I want you to call upon the name of the Lord. Say a prayer like this. Go ahead and say it in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud. Say, Dear Jesus, I do believe the good news that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose the third day. And Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to live inside of me. I ask that you would forgive me of all my sins. Just go ahead and tell him, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me. And from this day forward, I choose to follow you. Thank you for making me new. I love you in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. Church, get ready for greater things.